Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. Now, normally we try to do a podcast two, three times a week, although you probably would have noticed already that during the coronavirus lockdown, we've only been doing one episode a week. We hope to change that soon. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. But the best way to keep up to date with the latest podcast episodes is to subscribe. And while you're there, why not drop us a review? It really does help other people who might enjoy the podcast find us. I'm Ben James and I am joined on the podcast once again by my colleague Mark Orders. How are you doing, Mark? Not too bad. Pretty busy, actually, as you know yourself, Ben, you know, scratching around the stuff when there's all rugby being played. Um, uh, yes, yeah, not all work, though. You know, I've been doing a fair bit in a little bit of reading. Uh, uh, had a look at um, Bill Bryson's book. I don't know if you've uh, come across it, One Summer in America. Uh, I, I haven't. 1927, Ben. Read, yeah, good read. Um, I spent about three weeks reading it. You know, by the uh, by the end, uh, you know, I, I was half expecting Al Capone to come knocking on my door. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was good, and yeah, you know, yeah, all all good stuff. Must come to an end, as the, as the saying yeah, goes. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I finished the book, and uh, yeah. And then back into uh, the reality of uh, Welsh rugby. Indeed, and we are sort of slowly edging towards more newsworthy weeks, shall we say? We've had a lot of weeks where obviously nothing's been going on, and it's um, you know they say make hay while the sun shines. Well, this has sort of been a, a pretty fallow harvest, shall we say, this summer when it comes to rugby news. But we're getting towards that, and uh, this week in particular, because we look like we've got the return of a certain Welsh international to Welsh rugby. But being Welsh rugby, it's 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 not devoid of controversy. Well, yeah, that's that's right. Of course, nobody nobody's come out at any of the regions criticising it, but then you wouldn't expect them to. Um, but the mood music behind the scenes is that a few of them are less than impressed with the Dragons um, supposedly in advanced talks over Jamie Roberts. Uh, look, I mean, at the end of the day, it's sort of understandable in a way um, because the regions... They haven't exactly been sort of uh, signing people left, left, right and centre. The other three regions uh, during this pandemic, you know, staff and on furlough and redundancy threats and, and all the rest of it, really. It's, it's a really difficult time. So I think that, um, you know, some of them, I, I assumed all of them really took the view that, um, well, look, you know, it, it wouldn't be the done thing to to go out making these big signings during the summer while this crisis is going on. Um, of course, you know, the, the signings that have been announced, other than Roberts, etc., um, were sort of signed and sealed a long time ago. And, um, yeah, and then, you know, you had this sort of uh, little ripple in the pond with, uh, you know, news leaking out that uh, Roberts was in advanced talks and, you know, it's hard, it's hard to know what to say about it, really, Ben, to yeah. be honest. You know, the assumption is some of, some people are sort of wondering, well, is there a magic money tree uh, at Rodney Parade? And, um, but, you know, I, I'm not privy to uh, precise financial arrangements of the Dragons, uh, nor are you, so, you know. Um, but we can safely assume a player of Roberts' calibre you know, can't be acquired 
um, with five gallons of petrol from Tesco's. You know, he's gonna he's gonna cost a little bit, and he and people are just wondering, you know, where the money is coming from. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I think we've seen I've seen a sort of a lot of different viewpoints on social media the last few days. Obviously, the Dragons, I think, had in principle agreed to deal with Joe Tamani, the the Australian international. Then that fell through after he left Leinster, which we understand is for personal reasons. So some Dragons fans are suggesting maybe the funds have come from that. I'm, I'm not sure where that's the case. And then you've got other people who are unhappy with the, the influence that the union's having in this. Obviously, the Dragons are owned by the union. Um, and, we, you know, Jamie Roberts has always gone on the record as saying he'd like to finish his career at the Cardiff Blues. Now, we don't know if the Cardiff Blues have made an offer for Jamie Roberts. The likelihood is they haven't. If there's a deal in place for the regions not to make offers, they haven't. But I think a lot of Cardiff Blues fans are going to look at that and think, are the union pushing players towards the union-owned region? You know, we, we saw Nick Tompkins end up there. Again, I think the Cardiff Blues and the Scarlets walked out of the negotiating room over that one when it became apparent it was a loan deal. But there is probably a bit, there's probably a few gripes with, with certain regional fans that maybe the Dragons are the preferred destination for players coming back to Wales in the union's eyes yeah I mean if that is the case it's poor um, because we haven't got any evidence of that I mean certainly there was at least one other high profile transfer um, in Welsh rugby this year where behind the scenes uh, there, there was sort of should we say you know m- murmurings of discontent uh, that player A had been Sent to you know region Y, um, when apparently he he'd, he sort of quietly agreed beforehand that that he intended uh, moving elsewhere. So look, I mean, these are rumours. We, we we don't know for definite whether or not you know there's much truth in them. Um, but yeah, if the if Roberts does move. Um, then I suppose you to the Dragons. Then I suppose you'd have to say, well, you know, it'll be a really good signing for them for for a year or two, um, depending on uh, how long he stays. Um, and I need to help possibly the development of someone like Jack Dixon. Um, I'm saying that they've got Adam Warren as well, and Adam, who, who, who I think is one of the most underrated players in Welsh rugby. If uh, if Jamie Roberts is, is there and Nick Tompkins uh, alongside him, then you know you could only field two centres, and clearly there's not going to be much room for Adam Warren. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, it's um, the Dragons will be pleased uh, under any circumstances. To be honest, if Jamie Roberts joins the Dragons, Cardiff Blues fans are, are not going to be turning cartwheels in in the street. Um, like I say, the financial arrangements of the Dragons, uh, you know, a lot of people are sort of pointing fingers. Um, I'm certainly not privy to them. Um, uh, so, you know, let, let, let's see how it goes. And uh, as I say, if you look at it, the, the probability is if it goes ahead, it, it'll be a success for the Dragons, albeit uh, not for that long time. Um, what is he now? He's coming up to... He's 33 now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, ah, right, right. Yeah, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's the take on it then. Indeed, and I suppose 
um, it's it's a big hypothetical sentence, but if you park the, the the politics of Welsh rugby for one second, which Welsh rugby never wants to park the politics, but if you just park those, you, you look on sort of paper, the Dragons are in a Champions Cup spot for starters, and uh, they're going to have Jamie Roberts and Nick Tompkins playing for them in the centre. If you'd have said that a few months ago, a year ago, you, you'd scarcely believe it, would you? You wouldn't. You wouldn't have, you know, expected it. Um, the the caveat there, really, I, I think, is that uh, while it's, if it'll be great for them if if it does happen, I think they they need reinforcing a little bit um, in the front five. Um, I mean, I know they've brought in a chap from Clonot, and you know, he's certainly got heights, and maybe he'll prove a, an asset to them. But I'm not totally convinced, really, that they they got it right in the front five, particularly uh, entering the Champions Cup. And um, I think uh, if if I'd been uh, down there, I'd have been looking to to bring in I don't know a couple of experienced props, perhaps uh, you know maybe and and possibly uh, a second row with it with a, a bit of experience as well. I mean they were they were linked with Will Rowland, so I think I think he would have been really good for them. He's been, he's been great for wasps, and um, I mean maybe that will still happen. I I don't know, depending on. You know what's left on the magic money tree, I guess. Yeah, I suppose the other thing with Rollins is he, he's got a year left to run on his contract at Wasps, hasn't he? I think it's twenty twenty one. His contract runs out, so you yeah, sort you sort you sort of hoping that maybe Wasps choose to to release him early, given you know all that's going on in rugby. We've seen that a lot, haven't we, with contracts sort of being brought to an early close. Yeah, well, we don't know the state of play with Rollins' uh, contractual arrangements with Wasps. Got absolutely no idea if Wasps have broken his contract um, with the fun and games going on in England. If they have, he can walk away. And, um, uh, you know, there's a bit talk of pay cuts, etc. There's there's a reasonable possibility that perhaps he hasn't reached agreement with them, with Wasps. Um, if that's the case, then I guess he's headed for free agent status and uh, he, he could join the Dragons and he would be a good uh, good recruit for them. But uh, yeah, that's the area where I, I, I think that they're slightly lacking and um, they've got a great pool of back row players, some, uh, some nice backs, um, but I, I still think, you know, um, that they may be a little bit, um, uh, their strength and depth may be tested a little in the front five. Indeed. Um, as I say, it's a, a, a fairly newsworthy week when it comes to, to rugby deals, and we, we've had one happen today at the Ospreys, um, and they've managed to get themselves a fly half from England. Mm. Stephen Myler, yeah, he, uh, he's been around a long time. Um, He's 35, and um, but the Ospreys at this uh, stage of proceedings were, were never really going to land a, a sort of uh, young guy uh, in his prime, and uh, you know, to, to suit their their budget. Um, I think with my I think he's, he's look. I mean, at, at 35, going on 36, really, probably not going to get more than a year or two out of him, but. Um, he is a an experienced goal kicker, an experienced player who can control play. Um, the Ospreys attack coach Brock James. He played uh, until he was thirty eight, 
And um, so I think with a fair wind behind him, I, I think that um, Milo will do a job for the Ospreys uh, because at the moment, they simply had to bring somebody in because you got Gareth Anscombe. We don't know when he's going to be returning. Um, Luke Price is managing a hip problem. So that then would leave you as only 100% fit fly-off pre-Miler would have been Kai Evans. And uh, Kai played a lot of rugby last year at, uh, at full-back. So they had to bring someone in. And uh, we were rapidly approaching a stage where you know, I guess they would have been, they, they weren't at desperation stage yet, but, you know, they would have really wanted to get it sorted. And, uh, yeah, I'd say he's, he's a, you know, he's, he's a decent recruit, I think. Um, not perfect uh, at his age, but um, probably about the best uh, that could be expected right now, you know. Yeah, he's a sort of signing that we've seen over the years, haven't we? You know, you, you look at the Scarlets they brought in, Ollie Barkley and Ryan Lamb in recent years. It's just that sort of it's that steady hand, isn't it? You sort of need when when you are a bit low on on resources. And I guess the overarching thing is the concern for Gareth Anscombe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're right about that. You know, with uh, Ollie Barkley and Ryan Lamb. I uh, my expectation is that Milo will will have uh, the Ospreys will use him a lot more than. The Scarlets used or played Ryan Lamb last season. My expectation would be that, that uh, in the early weeks of the season, that uh, Milo would you know, he, he'd possibly be there or thereabouts for, uh, for a starting spot. Um, because, as you suggest, potentially he's a steady hand on the tiller. And what the Ospreys lacked last year was was that steady hand. Uh, they used Luke, Luke Price, and he actually grew into the season. And by the time he finished, he was playing quite well. But, you know, he's a, he's a young lad and, and learning the game. And as I say, Kai then was um, covering for Dan Evans' absences at the back. So they were really, really stretched in such a key position as number 10. And, and they really wanted to get um, get that sorted completely um and i think uh i'll say i think they'll uh i think it'll work i don't know about anscombe i don't know when he's i don't know when uh he's likely to return we're not even sure when the uh, uh next season will start <laughs> that's, um, the, that's the other yeah, side of the coin isn't it yeah it hasn't been clarified exactly and um the so when the question goes in will gareth anscombe be fit for the start of next season the reply comes back well we don't know when next season uh, we will start it could be any time between October and February um, so I mean he's had two operations already again uh, it's sort of rumours that, that that I don't know people fearing the worst for him but I point blank asked the Ospreys about that and uh, at this point, anyway, they weren't buying into that. They, they, their quiet response was, "Well, look, we'll uh, we, we, we're just uh, monitoring him, and, and we'll see how things go." And um, yeah, nothing. The news wasn't so disastrous coming out of the Ospreys as uh, you know the, the doom mongers might have expected. Um, 
So, but you know, there's no certainty on him, and and I suppose that's got to be um, a concern. You know, if, if you say, look, he's going to be coming back in six weeks' time, then you got something to work towards, and certainly publicly, nobody's mentioned no, that. Indeed. Um... Like I say, it, look, it looks like a good bit of business they've done it for the Ospreys. I think you know he's thirty-five years old, but he he he's the sort of fly half you could probably just slot into most back lines, and he, he'll do the basics well and, and and get the best out of others around him and pin teams back. So I think that's a good bit of business. Um, and then the other bit of business this week was uh, the Scarlets confirming two signings that I mean had been heavily trailed. I mean they were completed pretty much back in March before lockdown, but they've been announced now, and that's Johnny Williams. Uh, and Sion Kalmafoni. So, two decent bits of business um, from across the border, it seems. And obviously, Johnny Williams in particular is Welsh qualified. Yeah, just just uh, on the before we have a look at those, just one more point on the uh, the Myler thing. The um, I mean, the Scarlet's got four fly arms, and you know, I, I read, you know. Sort of persuasively argued and cordially argued by a colleague <laughs> that, uh, that they should lend the Ospreys one. Uh, yeah, in, a, in an ideal world, maybe that'd be great and it'd certainly be better for Welsh rugby. But um, I mean, these, these as, as we were talking beforehand, it, it would be like asking Tottenham to lend Arsenal a player or Celtic to lend Rangers a player. You know, they, they're they're supposedly independent entities in Welsh rugby, and there uh, there's obviously a bit of competition. So, <laughs> put it this way, I, I would be more than a bit surprised if if Sam Costello rocked up at the Ospreys anytime soon. Um, but yeah, looking at those uh, two scarlet signings, good signings, uh, really good signings. I think uh, with, well, with Johnny Williams, uh, he's knocking on the door of the England team. Before he fell ill um, uh, a year or so ago, and uh, Callum Afoni, I say probably at the peak at Leicester three years ago, and um, since then he, he may have dipped a little. Um, but you know they've been promoting someone else in his position. Um, but he's he is a really big ball carrier, and he'll take him over the game line. And they they've always enjoyed that kind of uh, having that kind of player. Um, Scott Quiddell they had, they had Ben Morgan yeah. as well it's, it's and, probably uh, been something they've missed hasn't it I think if you look at their sort of their number eight since Ben Morgan left obviously they, they had David Lyons and Ben Morgan in sort of quite quick succession but since then I think who have you had you've had Ron McCusker's played there um, Rory Pittman had a short spell Morgan Allen's been there um, I mean John Barkley's filled in but no one's really been that big ball carrying out and out number eight and it, I mean it's probably a wider problem in Welsh rugby isn't it that there is a sort of lack of number eights but particularly the Scarlets have probably missed it the last decade or so yeah yeah that's that's definite they had um, yeah, three huge ball carriers Cornell uh, Lyons and Ben Morgan um, really really good and it, it, they enjoyed success in Europe as well with those guys now they during their kind of glory years of what was it, 2017, 2018, in recent times, they they somehow operated uh, without a, a player like that, <clears throat> and um, they used Barkley there, as, as you say. Uh, but yeah, he'll he'll take him over the game line, Callum Afoni will, and uh, also they have options as well. So it won't 
be as if they'll have to flog him every week because they've got Kasim down there yeah. and they've got Blade Thompson as well. So it'll it'll allow Glenn Delaney, if you like, the luxury of being able perhaps to, to rest players. And I guess when you're 32 and you play the kind of game that Callum Afordi plays, then uh, that uh, there are worse things to happen, uh, having the occasional weekend off. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and of course, Delaney's coached him before, and um, so he knows his strengths. And it, it all goes back to, I remember speaking to Wayne Pivak, I think it was ahead of his final season at the Scarlets. Obviously, they'd just been beaten twice, hadn't they, by Leinster in quick succession in Dublin. And he sort of identified that, I mean, they had sort of got by in that Pro 12 winning season without a number eight, but then Leinster did a number on them twice in Dublin. I mean, the first time, that, that Champions Cup semi-final, the Scarlets just couldn't live with Leinster that day. And Pivak put a lot of it down to they lacked physical ball carriers out wide in the wide channels, which is why Kazium and why Thompson's come in. And I just sense that Calamaphone is the next step that Pivak never really had. He didn't have time to sort of implement it. And I think Brad Moore and Delaney are going to have time to implement it. And I think Calamaphone could be the next step in that sort of evolution of the Scarlets game because once they got worked out after that Pro 12 final, they, they were quite blunt in attack and they struggled to break defences down. So hopefully this is going to allow them to maybe be effective in games where they can't counter-attack and they, they can't sort of be the Harlem Globetrotters at times. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt a bit sorry for the Scarlets um, two or three years ago. They, they had that absolutely blinding season where they won the title and probably they played some of the best rugby, if not the best rugby, ever played by a Welsh region. And... Uh, it was so easy on the eye, but it was devastating as well. Um, but then they, they they had a sort of injury hit campaign to follow, and uh, and it became increasingly difficult for them. And injuries were piling up, and they they, they lost so many key players. I, I got a funny feeling that um, Shingler would have been among them. Um, James Davis, I think, as, as well, might have been at various points. James has suffered a few injuries over the years. And obviously at the start and of the it, season, they'd lost Tykeburn and, say, Scott Williams, hadn't they, and all those. So it was double, double and, impact. Yeah, I, I think Liam went as well, Liam Williams. Um, he, he left for Saracens, I yeah, think. In Liam, Liam, yeah, Liam went after the Pro 12 final, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So all in all, they, they were in a serious state of flux and... The, the side that uh, Pivak had built and that performed so well, it, it sort of, uh, it, it, it didn't disintegrate, but, but it sort of started to flake at the edges and it became increasingly difficult. And But you know, they managed, again, it's, it's, it's a tribute to the people down there, really. They, they managed to stay the, um, the preeminent Welsh region. Um, I don't know how high that particular bar has been over the last few years, <laughs> um, but um, they've managed to to stay ahead of everybody else. And then um, having a look at their squad, um, the expectation probably would be that they'd be again. You know, they, they'll take some catching this year as well. Uh, for what it matters, I mean, obviously they got uh, they got bigger ambitions than than just being the the, the best one for region. Indeed, and, and you know we'll touch a bit as well on. We mentioned him, Johnny Williams. He's got big boots to fill because Hadley Parks has been there for six years. He's heading off to Japan, and he he really has been a sort of a catalyst in that that Scarlets midfield. I mean, 
whenever they're struggling to sort of get over the game line or, or break down defences, it's usually him running a, a, a line off Gareth Davis that helps him do that. He's up there, I would suggest, maybe in the, I don't know, top five or six uh, overseas imports. Not just for what he brought on the pitch as well. Um, just a, a, a guy who, who sort of provided this calming influence off the pitch as well. And um, really good when it mattered for the Scarlets. Um, provided a nice contrast with Jonathan Davis and to dip into the bag of cliches he, he, he was the glue really uh, around which uh, it all happened in midfield and uh, I can remember his display against Bath I think in the Champions Cup the, the wreck um, and the wreck yeah he, he, was, he was just immense that night and um, he also delivered for Wales and um yeah, a huge loss to the Scarlets, and he, I know he wasn't around that much last year for whatever reasons, internationals and uh, and so on, World Cup, and he, he wasn't around that much. But when he was at his best for them, he was just a terrific player for them. Indeed, but you, you do sense with everything I've seen of Johnny Williams so far, he just looks quite an exciting player, doesn't he, as well, who, who could fill that sort of mantle. Yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, England have, have got strength and depth in midfield, and you know, the fact of the matter was that uh, this guy who was pulled on there on an England jersey in an uncapped uh, game, and uh, he, he's got significant attacking prowess. And um, I think the Scarlet fans will will enjoy his play and. I think he'll uh, he fit into the the style of uh, game that they they like down there. So I I think he'd be a, a big success. And of course, if he does prove a success, he uh, Pivac could uh, Wayne Pivac uh, could show an interest in him. Um, it's going to be interesting actually how that. I don't know when Jonathan Davis will be ready, but how Tyler Morgan uh, fits in uh, with Johnny Williams and Costeffi who's did well for them. Uh, last year, so while they they've, they've lost a few three quarters down there um, in terms of Corey Baldwin, the young lad, and Adley Parks, um, and Jonathan Davis, of course, is injured. But I still think they got enough to get through um, in the early stages, and I will be interested to see if uh, if Johnny Williams at some point, if if he. It's his straps. Uh, you know, I'd be interested to see if Tovac actually gives him a call. I got a feeling it could be sooner rather than later. Um, another gentleman coming back to Wales this season after pretty much the briefest of uh, dalliances away from his home country is Rhys Carey. He's coming back to the Cardiff Blues after just a season at Saracens. And uh, for his sins, he was tasked with speaking to Andy Howell yesterday. I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Reese, what's your thoughts on coming back to the Blues, and why have you come back after just a season at Saracens? Um, well, obviously, with everything that got, went on at the club uh, this year, uh, or the back end of the sort of the season last year, that. Um, it sort of made it more inviting for me to come back. I was always coming back anyway in two years' time. 
brought myself come back here early, and um, yeah, I'm happy to be back. Yeah, why? If you've only come back after you, I know they've had these issues off the field at Saracens. Why did you go there in the first place? Well, obviously, with all the um, well, what was going on with Welsh rugby at the time, and with the regions not being able to be offered contracts, I just thought it was a great opportunity for me to go away and uh, become a better player. Yeah, and what did you learn up there? Well, it's, it speaks for itself. The players they've produced with the coaches they have and how they train and rub me shoulders with the likes of obviously the Winnipolas and George Fruises and the Tojes. Um, it's just made me a better player. Yeah, and who was the biggest help to you up there? Did like Winnipola, uh, did, uh, Marco, did he, he's one of the best pops in the world. Did he help you a lot? Or people like Cruz or what happened? Uh, well, especially with Scrooge, I spoke to Marco a lot. I spoke to Vincent Cork a lot. And I just, just getting, because they're such experienced boys and just hearing what they have to hear. Well, they have to say sorry. It's just, it's, just, it's different insight to what I had before, sort of thing. Yeah. Well, what did, what did you say? Anything specific you learned from them? I, I can, I can uh, open up the dark arts to you. Yeah. And what did they learn from you? Uh, how to be a good bloke, hopefully. But, <laughs> but um, like I said, I wasn't there long because obviously didn't get back until November from the World Cup, and then beginning of January I was gone again the Six Nations and then we all in lockdown after that so I only really spent about six weeks training with them really Yeah and Reese, you had a big progression last season with Wales at the World Cup you played a lot of matches and the Six Nations how do you feel that's gone do you feel more at ease now playing internationally and how do you see your future um, I wouldn't say I, I find it easier I think it's, it's still a massive challenge every time you step on that pitch but I have more confidence in myself that I know I'm good enough to be there now. Whereas before, there was some doubts, but now I, I sort of feel like I am good enough. Yeah, and coming back to the Blues, they've got some good young props as well. I think that competition could drive you all on. Yeah, exactly. Look, I've grown up with the likes of uh, Kieran Nazarati, Corey Dolchowski, Dylan Lewis, etc. And uh, it's, it's, it'd be good to be back with them training. See what they see, what they've learned, and I see if I can help them with what I've learned and stuff like that. Yeah, and just switching tack. What you been, what have you been doing during lockdown? How difficult has that been? You know, with um, obviously in lockdown and there being no rugby and no group training. Yeah, obviously it was tough, but you know, we're we're professional athletes now, so we we can all keep ourselves fit. We all know what to eat, we all know what to do. So it hasn't been easy, but I think we've all come back a decent neck. Yeah, so, you lost. Sorry, you lost a load of weight before the World Cup. So have you been sticking to a diet now then? To a nutrition program? Yeah, also I've been trying to maintain the weight I was at before the World Cup. Obviously, with the, the pre-World Cup training and stuff, that was quite intense. So obviously the intensity's dropped a bit. Obviously, we're not doing any training during lockdown, but the weight sort of maintained itself, so it's not too bad. Yeah. So are you looking forward now to finishing the uh, Pro 14 season then with the uh, Blues, hopefully in a few weeks' time? Yeah, it'd be good to get back out of the boys, out on the pitch. Uh, it, it seems like it was only yesterday, really, so I, I don't think nothing would have changed. So I can't wait to get out there, really. Yeah, and what sort of welcome have you had off the lads? Did you give yeah. his pick? Well, obviously with COVID, COVID regulations, we've only been training sort of small groups at the moment, so... I've only been training with a small group of lads, but I've seen a couple of boys as we're going in and out and training. Like I said, it just feels like I haven't left.
Okay, so that was uh, Rhys Carey. Um, I think he did very well there dealing with our colleague. Um, not the easiest of task always for, for players, especially a young 22-year-old like Carey, but handled it well. Um, what are you making of uh, Rhys ahead of his return? I mean, it's been a an eventful year for him. If you think a year back, he was in a Wales squad. He's since gone to Japan, then London. Now he's back in Cardiff. Um, a lot more well-travelled than he was when he left Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, first thing to say is is that uh, you might find Andy a tougher opponent than Dyke for lost. He did. Apparently, he, he said that he was uh, he was actually only at Saracens for six weeks, um, which sort of surprised me. But then when you break it all down, he was at the World Cup. He uh, he would have by the time he got back into it, um, he was then called up for the Six Nations. And um, of course, then the the lockdown hit, so he, he didn't have uh, he didn't have that much opportunity up there, uh, and he managed to fit in. Of course, to send it off against the Ospreys as well in the um, in the Champions Cup. Uh, but what people do say about him is, is that in the short time he was there, he was he he was highly regarded, and he he did uh, catch the eye up there and. Uh, People were impressed with him. They liked his his attitude. He's willing to learn. He's a huge man, and that's a good, decent enough starting point for a for a prop. And um, if he can knuckle down, I think, like we said two or three weeks ago, if he can knuckle down and really, really uh, look after his fitness and uh, and play regularly too, because. Um, I think he hinted in that interview that he hasn't actually played that much senior rugby. Um, he, he was very much in development mode at the Blues. And then last year, OK, he, he had a, a couple of outings, most of them off the bench for Wales. Um, and again, thousands were shining him up. So what he needs, I would suggest really, is just say 10, 15 games this season where he, he can play and really kick on. Um, again, it is a cliche, but you 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 can't beat time on the field, and um, and for for a lad of twenty two pushing twenty three, that's that's what Reese needs more than anything. I'd suggest. It's funny, isn't it, when you think you know sometimes when young players they just progress so fast that you are jumping from one thing to the next. You know, you're going from the Blues to to Wales to Saracens, and you don't really have time to stop, but. Listening to the interview yesterday, I think the thing that struck me is obviously we know how talented he is on the pitch. It, it's probably how much of a learning curve the last year has been for him a, a, as a young man. Because, like we said, he, he was only 21 last year when he when he went to the sort of the World Cup training squad, and he, he'd probably never really gone far beyond Cardiff before that. You know, he he, he joked that he, he'd never really done used a washing machine before he moved to London. Um, so I imagine the last year, you know, going to Japan, experiencing that, and then living in London, albeit rather shortly, that will have accelerated his sort of growth as a, as, as a person just as much as what he will have learned on the pitch from being in Wales and Saracens camps. Yeah, it does. And that kind of, um, it does. It's just uh, going out, branching out on your own. And um, there, there was uh, another player in, in Welsh rugby uh, a couple of years ago, he, he was linked with a uh, an over board, and I remember chatting to somebody who knew him, and he said, "Well, uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't handle having to be independent um, in a foreign country." And okay, 
it's only England it's not exactly a, a fantastic lifestyle shift but still you've got to stand on your own two feet you've got to make decisions for yourself and um, what a big deal for a, a young lad to go up there um, with, in a strange or different environment meeting different people and a lot of these people a young a young kid might be quite um, daunted by the prospect of it but um the one thing about SARS is uh, it's, it's an environment where, where it's in, in some ways a cosmopolitan environment, people coming from all over the place and everybody is accepted and uh, I'm told the camaraderie there is fantastic and um, people want to help young players and they want to see them develop. So I'm sure he was only up there for six weeks, but hopefully, hopefully he would have learned um, plenty in that time and uh, yeah it was a bold move for him and um, I- I'm sure that uh, in the long run uh, however uh, however brief he was there I- I'm sure he'll benefit from it Indeed you know he-, he can probably claim to have had more sort of different coaches than than most players you know a few years older than him he's had, he's had two sets of Wales coaches um, uh, you know Saracens Cardiff Blues um I'm trying to think. Probably the Cardiff Blues forwards coaches might be different to when he left. Um, but yeah. You know, um, so yeah, he's had, he's had a fair share. You know, he's, he's he he worked, first worked under McBride. Now he's under Jonathan Humphreys. That you know, there isn't a probably. Uh, there's not a sort of pure scrum coach or, or or lover of the scrum than Jonathan Humphreys. He's he's very honest in it, in it, in his way of of coaching the scrum and and believing how the scrum should be refereed and 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 done. So. Reese Carey for a free for a twenty-two-year-old, he certainly had his fair share of experience. Yeah, he, he definitely has, and he um, he's, he's he is you know a player who's uh, who's going to do well for Cardiff Blues and uh, and for Wales. I think it is with in mind. I, I, I don't think that many people outside uh, outside Cardiff Blues, maybe outside the coaching setup, but uh, I don't think that many people know how good he really is because we haven't seen enough of him. He, he, he looked the right unit when he was playing for Wales in the 20s. And when he came on, his, his, his cameo for Saracens against the Ospreys, um, he, again, he looked a real handful with his charging. We only lasted four minutes, sadly, before he was sent <laughs> off. Um, but we, we don't really know how... Um, how good a player he is. But uh, again, uh, sort of looking at Adam Jones's book uh, the other week and in Adam's early days, um, Adam, Adam, he, he took a while to settle as, as, you know, as, as he was, as he, as he was climbing in the game. And, um, there, 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 there were ups and downs, and there were downs for him. And Carrie would go through the same sort of process. Um, but, you know, his potential is massive, isn't it? If he can, if he can deliver in the scrum, uh, and he he can sort of stay on top of his conditioning, he he is going to be a good player. I mean, look, Stuart Barnes has suggested he he, he might make the Lions um, squad. I think he was talking about the match date twenty three. I don't know, but uh, I I think that's putting a bit of pressure on the kid. But he is. Um, if he if he does develop as as we all hope he will, he, he's going to be a really good player. Indeed, it's often a fruitless task, isn't it? Talking about the Lions this far out. I think that's it for today's podcast. Um, 
we, we managed to get through a fair bit of news, um, which makes a change on, on, on podcast recently. Um, as always, Mark, it's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, brilliant, Ben. And I'll let you get back to your Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's all work, sadly, for another <laughs> couple of hours, but uh, such is life.